All right, Dad. Okay. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for being a part of this. And actually, um, you're the genesis. You and Mom are the genesis for this whole thing, for the Mark Shuline Passion Project, because I've wanted to interview you and Mom for a very long time. Um, What's well, one down? <laughs> <laughs> I had Mom here a couple weeks ago. But Dad, Jeff Shuline, thank you so much for being here. This is super cool. An honor. <clears throat> An honor. I'm don't, don't worry yeah, about it. Okay. We're all good. We're all good. Um, so the goal for today, and you know a bit about this, but my goal is really to connect the dots. You've got a pretty good story. It's a long story, but it's a super impressive one. And we are truly gonna start at the beginning and finish at today. And um, there's a bunch of stuff I wanna dig into because the beauty of these, these interviews are, like I know a lot about you. Um, I've known you for a minute. <laughs> um, or two. Or two. but. There are always stories that come up. I'm like, hold on, what? I, I've never heard that one before. Or, you know, there's certain things that I just don't know how the stories, um, how things happened. I, I want to learn more about the individuals and your history and what got you here. That's what we're all about. So um, let me start by saying that what's so impressive about this discussion we're going to have and the story is where you've come from. We're going to jump into that in just a moment and what you've done with your life and how you did it um, is truly the American dream. I, I've, I've referred to that all the time. What you've done, um, how you've done it is unbelievable and super impressive. And, um, you know, it could be in textbooks about what you've done. And so um, I really want to dig into that. I'm and, glad you're that impressed. <laughs> well, I, I think you'd be surprised by how many people are. Um, and that is one of the things that I even put in my notes, like you're incredibly humble and and I shared this, I've shared this on this pod a couple of times. You're probably one of those people that could appreciate or can appreciate this message that was shared with me by my coach. And he says, Mark, a jar can't read its own label. What you've accomplished is unbelievable and everybody's gonna hear about it in just a moment. Um, a lot of people that will be watching or listening to this know a lot of your story, but there's a lot of parts of it that they don't. But again, where you came from, what you've accomplished, how you've done it, and where you are today, it is absolutely um, the American dream, and it is what I think the majority of people strive to be able to do, and to be able to look back and know what they've accomplished and what they've provided to others along the way through business and giving back and community and engagement and all of those things, which you've done your whole life. And all of that has been an incredible learning and role modeling for all of us. Um, so thanks. So. <laughs> I'll stop talking now and I'm gonna start asking you some questions. What I'd love to do is start with your parents. So my Oma, your mother, so German for grandmother, um, I grew up with until her passing. Whose maiden name was Roth. Roth, yes, my mom. The one, the one missing piece or the one overlook in my mom's uh, interview was she referred to as apt, but apt was her mother's her name. mother's name. Got it. She was this close, one degree <laughs> of separation. So your mom was what was her name? Where did she grow up? And tell the quick story about what her beginnings looked okay. like. Uh, her name was Gerda um, Roth. <laughs> Roth. Um, she emigrated. Well, I guess I'm a product of the Holocaust because they lived in Germany in a small town called Breidenbach on Hertzberg. Um, Which is where, where in Germany is that? 
a few clicks from Frankfurt. Got it. Um, things change. According to my mother, you know, they had been they had friends all over and that sort of thing. Went to school with people, but in the '30s, things started changing, and uh, her friends would no longer talk to her mm. because they were afraid of what would happen to them. Yeah and their husbands or whatever. And that was a lot of the strategy. We won't get into the science, yeah, but that was yeah. definitely a lot of the strategy at that time. Right. So that made them uncomfortable. My grandfather, my mother's father, had died for Germany in World War I. Wow. I, not fighting, they died of a disease, but he was in the service. And I think that may have helped them a little bit mm. when, when they were ready to leave. My grandfather's grave is still there. So they emigrated. What was her life like prior to that in Germany? Good? I, Do you know? Well, I think her sisters went off to work, but my mother was the oldest, so she worked at home. They had a little store in front that was like a garage, except they didn't have cars. Yeah, got the, it. Yeah. Um, and my mother, I think, ran that so that when... They emigrated. My aunts, aunts, whatever, um, got repatriation from Germany, monthly payments. Really? My mother never did because she oh, never she, she never had an official job. Oh, interesting. Hold on. So your mother ran a retail store. Of sorts. We ne- of sorts. We never talked about but it. But if they're selling to the public, it's retail, right? Right. In the early the 1920s, 19, yeah, 1920s, 1930s. Yeah. All right. Well, now I have an understanding of where retail comes from in our, our family lineage. <laughs> um, so she had, I grew up with her sister, Kate, my Aunt Kata. And my Aunt Ilsa was back oh, in. Oh, Ilsa, you, that's you, right. Okay. You met her. Absolutely. Okay. That's right. Okay. And so life changed for them in the 30s, and they were able to emigrate. And you think yeah. they had maybe because of... They were able to sell their house for, you know, great discount but they were able to get cash and they couldn't leave Germany with cash so they uh, the girls each bought uh, good dishes and silverware although the silverware is silver plate we still have that yes we do your house when we hardly use it because it's, well it's very pretty though but it's not sterling yeah. <laughs> um, and I think my mother smuggled a couple of diamonds in the hem of her coat wow uh because they couldn't take any yeah, money i mean out. that's the amazing thing so the yeah. jews were basically forced out of the country if they were lucky enough to get out with with nothing couldn't and take anything i think my mother's younger sister and mother who i think came last i could have this a little convoluted um uh, went first class you know by sea because they had to spend the money oh, wow. that was left. That was the end of it. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. So, and so they come across to where? New York, around 35. And did they have, how did it work? Did they have sponsors? Did they have they family have sp- here? Sponsors, family, like um, sisters of my grandmother, I think. Got it. And they move, and they had, but they didn't have any connection in the states at that time just oh the family was all in new york oh they already were yeah 
How did the sponsors have to be in the U.S.? And they have to, be, but those sponsors were actually family. Yes. So you're okay. Yeah. So they had emigrated sometime earlier. Yeah. Okay. I was aware of that. So she came into a family unit, or at least a so, to, sort to of somebody, but some some connection, some resource, right. in New York, and they settled where in New York? Washington Heights. And um, is that the same area that you grew up? Yeah, it's exactly where I grew okay, up. Okay, so where Washington Heights is what? What's the 170th and Haven? You could say 170th and Broadway is, is a block and a half away. Got it. And so let's pivot into both Omaha and you and the family at that time. What was it like um, growing up in New York? I felt so, I felt like a New Yorker. I was in a German Jewish neighborhood. So uh, there were no issues based on religion. Uh, I went to Hebrew school, which I hated. <laughs> oh, uh, me too. What, what a surprise. No surprises there. Um, Isn't it funny how we make our kids do things that we absolutely hated to do ourselves? Yes. Well, there's a, just enough for tradition. No, yeah. no more. Yes. And this is, that's an interesting distinction because growing up, I would say that we were very culturally Jewish. But I don't think I really but, loved going to temple but, very often. But not particularly observant. Correct. So uh, that was that's the distinction: cultural being, um, celebrate with the family, do do, yeah, and and more Jewish friends than non yeah, non Jewish because it's sure. an easier connection. Uh, yeah. yeah, social connection. Got it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. More about New York. What was it like growing up there? And what was? Oh, I grew up there till I was eleven. We lived on the third floor <clears throat> of a, a five-story walk-up, and the laundry was in the basement. So for my mother to do laundry... It's a lot of flights of stairs. She, it, was th- it wasn't the fifth floor. It was the third floor, third. but that's four, ba- yep, to the four stories to the basement. And there was a coin-op thing there. Um, <clears throat> and you left when you were 11. But what, so what was Oma doing... Uh, career-wise at the time or you were living there why don't we you can why don't you bring your father into the, the mix okay. at this point so now it's my, the whole family my father my father's antecedents his parents were German but he was born in New York what was his name Jack last name was well it was actually Jacob uh, oh. shoe line but yeah. it was his gravestone says Jack and he was always Jack got it um so let's let's do this. When did, when and how did um, your parents meet? I wasn't there. Well, that's a good point. Um, I think around. This is all storytelling. I think around thirty-eight, and I believe that my grandmother um, rented an apartment in Washington Heights. That's where we grew up, and my my mother lived there, and they rented a room. It was a Two, well, it was a, it had a living room and a, like a master bedroom that had been the dining room. And this had been part of a nicer apartment. Uh, that kitchen, bath, and one little room back by the door. Hmm. And they rented that room out to my father. And I don't know the story except I found two marriage certificates. From, from my parents, six months or so apart. And... Uh, Told on I, two marriage certificates. Yeah. I, 
I think, I don't think anyone was pregnant at the time. Yeah. I think it was, so my mother was. Hold on, was it the same names on each of those certificates? Yeah, yes. Okay. Um, I suspect the first one was so my mother could have sex with my father. And that was to satisfy her. Oh, interesting. Because uh, um, it had nothing to do with pregnancy. So uh, the second one was a more official. Way. Got it. That's interesting. Things have changed a little bit since you then, think? right? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, um, okay. And so that would have been, if that was like 38-ish, that was only within a few years of well, your mother. Within that, five years of moving to the U.S. I was born in 42, so that would have happened around 40. 40. Okay. So your mom had been for a handful of years. Prior to meeting your father, what was your mom doing for business or for work in the U.S.? As far as I know, oh, she may have worked part-time for a caterer. Got it. And that goes on. She ended up doing that more later. She in ended up we'll later. About. When I grew up, she was making some food like potato salad and coleslaw for a local deli. Oh, interesting. That wasn't a full-time job. She'd do it at home. And later on, I think I carried it to... Oh, is that right? Yeah. I see it. Those are stories that you never hear because well, they're so innocuous, my, but those are instruments. My first job was for the guy who lived one apartment below us. In New York. Yeah, he, he had a, a man with a heart condition uh, that imported candies like Toblerone. <clears throat> and he gave me a job delivering it. And it was like we were on 170th. It was, most of the deliveries were on 180th. And he told, you know, I had a kind of a skateboard thing with an orange crate on it uh, that I used to go all over. He told me not to use it. Um, Why? In the, because it would damage the candy. Oh. Well, I didn't think it would, so I used it, and eventually he heard about it and fired me. That was my first job. First job. Well, we're going to talk a lot about your jobs, and I, I know there was a lot of... There's, this is, that's not the only delivery... Um, job that you had in your in your life we'll talk more about your jobs um so and at the time do you know well let, let's we're going to jump ahead then we'll go back how well did you know your father um he worked a lot um doing what and i i think i should say something about the economics of the family they were very low but they had the apartment and my father who was a lumber salesman in new york had to have a car for the job, so they always had a car. He was a lumber salesman? Wholesale lumber. Did he ever drive a taxi? Yes. Okay, that's the story Do, I remember. I think during World War II, he worked part-time driving a taxi. I had no idea he was a lumber salesman. See, yeah. these are, this is exactly why we do this. Because those are little things that <clears throat> I've never heard before. My father barely knew how to use a hammer, but he was a lumber hey, salesman. Hey, as long as he could sell lumber. Um, well, Ironically, jumping ahead too. So we already know that you were doing delivery. We already know that your mother had done retail. And then you go on to be a salesman. And then you go on to be in retail. And I go on to be in retail. So there's some, there is some uh, lineage yeah. pulsing through yeah. here. Okay, we'll get back to that. So let's go. What year are you born? And tell the story just about... You and you have a, a younger brother, and what that was like. I was born in 42. My brother was born in 45, three and a half years apart. Um, so all of this is during World War II? Yes. 
which um, must have had some impact on the Jewish oh, community in New York and German Jewish community and yeah. finances of everybody, right? I don't I know. Think. I don't. I was too yeah, young. Got it. Okay. The first thing I remember uh, vividly is at the end of World War II, my father took me out to see Hitler hanged in effigy Whoa. from a light post. Oh, somewhere in and, New York. You know, they had the old-fashioned lampposts. Yeah. Someone had done that in New York just as a... In our neighborhood, yeah. Wow. That's my first real, wow. real-world real memory. That's an interesting memory. Wow. Well, it just tells, it tells of... I mean, you think about that piece of your history, your mother's escape of Germany just in time, and we'll call it an escape, forced departure, fortunate departure, yeah. whatever. Um, okay, so they meet probably by way of this room <coughs> excuse me they get married they have two boys they've got they have you and then later they have rick and you were before you mentioned when you moved out of new york how old were you when you moved out of new york 11 why'd you move and where my uh mother had a sister that was kate <clears throat> in long beach and my uncle fred had been doing very well. He was in the knit, he got like into textiles. the knitwear business. Fred moved uh, early because he was in the Navy and stationed in Long Beach. So he was familiar with the area. Well, anyway, he- Oh, he was in the Navy. I, okay, I don't yeah. think I ever realized- In the Seabees. Got it. Because he was German, they, he couldn't fight. <coughs> Sorry. He, I don't think they let him fight on the, in the Atlantic. Interesting. So he was in the Seabees in the Pacific. How do, you, do you have any idea how he got into the textile industry? No. Okay, no. got it. But, okay, so he was familiar with Long Beach because of his military deployment there. And I'm guessing the textile industry in Los Angeles was part of that draw? Don't I don't know. know. I don't okay. Know. I mean, I grew up with, um, with, um, with them. What was their last name? Newberg. Newberg. And we're still very close with their descendants. They live here in town with us. Um, I have fond memories of them, but he was also a big hitter. Like he, he was having success and he went on in real estate to do some really interesting things. Long, 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 like that he, not, he never saw the rewards right, from, right. but have been, I think very, I mean, he was just a super <clears throat> speculative buyer of real estate out in the middle of nowhere, believing that sometime in the future, it would be developable land in demand, and that's what's come to fruition. Pretty, maybe almost a futurist of some sort. I mean, super interesting. Um, okay, so you guys, are, you moved to Long Beach. You're 11. Your brother's nine, eight. What's life like in Long Beach? Uh, Long Beach. Very different than you're in suburban Long Beach versus. Very different, almost no Jews. But my I had a social problem when we moved. A social problem? Yes, in that we drove to California. And I remember my father saying, you have to be careful because there aren't that many Jews. Before that, I had never given that a thought. Mm -hmm. And because of that, when I, I, I got to California when I was 11 and starting uh, junior high, yeah. seventh grade, because of that, I went into a shell on a social level. Based on the fear of what he, based on what he had said or based yeah, on an experience when you got there? No, I, 
I really didn't have any bad experiences. I mean, maybe a couple little things, nothing that was significant. But he scared you into a, a sh- quote-unquote shell. Yeah. Interesting. So that was the case pretty much through high school. I had some Jewish friends that we met through the local temple. But So your quote-unquote social problem remained. Like it continued. Yeah, but then I got to college. I joined a partial, partially Jewish fraternity and kind of returned to normal. Okay. What happened around... I mean, so you're living in Long Beach. Um, what was the family doing? How was economic situation? Okay. The, in Long Beach, my, my father uh, came out as a uh, picture frame salesman selling to stores, which was close to lumber. But then he got involved with a friend in a carpet store as a salesman. Had no interest in it, no financial interest in it. And I think he made a living. And as a carpet salesman, retail carpet salesman. Okay. Yeah, and we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few months before he passed away, he opened his own small carpet store, bought an existing store. Where was that? North Long Beach, about two blocks from where we lived. No way. It, yeah, it was kind of, I mean, it had been there, but uh, wasn't a great location and it didn't have stock on hand and whatever. I think he, in the six or eight months that he was alive before he passed, after he bought the store, he probably made enough to pay off what they paid for the store. Excuse me. All right, so your dad is a carpet, retail carpet salesman, buys a business, and then he, and then he passes. He had told me at one point <clears throat> that the money in carpeting is in wholesale. Hmm. So and you put that in your memory banks for a while. Uh, yes, I did. Got it. So after we'll com- come back to all this. Okay. If anybody, <laughs> so <laughs> there's some f- foreshadowing happening here. Go ahead. No, 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 no. But around this time, what happens? You're, you mentioned your father passes. Okay. Suddenly, you have a heart attack. How old were you? Uh, I was 17. My brother was 13. So you're still in high school. Yes, a senior. One of the first things that happened was, I think the first day, my mother said to me, you're now the, it had been a total shock, but my mother said to me, you're now the man of the family. And I took that too seriously, where my brother was concerned. How so? Well, we've always had a shitty relationship Mm. ever since. Were you just? I I think he resented, I, I took, I tried to take over. It was the wrong thing, but what did I know? Yeah. Um, in, so in what way, just for clarity, you were, you took a father figure role with him, you were demanding? No, you were, no, no. Uh, yeah, I, I tried to, never happened. Got it. Probably demanding uh, in some areas, I don't remember which. But I wasn't there as a friend and helper. I, you weren't a big brother, you were a yeah, right, something else. Right. Okay, got it, interesting. Um, and. And that relationship has suffered, suffered, oh, and I bad. think it stems to that. Really interesting. Rick today lives in Greece with his family. He's been He's in Athens for 40 something like or more that. years, yeah. right in Athens. Um, okay, so let's talk about, he passes, what changes from, you're now the man of the family. What does that mean from a work, school, financial? 
I just had to make my own money for school. My mother, by that time, or my mother just after my father passed, became a caterer based on her early experience. <clears throat> local Jewish caterer that made herself known at the local temples. And she, she did reasonably well. She cooked out of the house. She hired help when she needed to, mostly to serve. And the, she did big events. But it was a different time with relatively low-key, non-gourmet, and much of it was Jewish foods, like knishes that she made herself. Got it. I'm going to press pause for one second. Um, the one thing I'd like to get from you is what are, <clears throat> what are your memories of, again, I grew up with your mom until she passed, but what did, from like a engagement, that's the wrong term for family, but as a family, what was your dad like? If you remember, what was your mom like? My, Loving, supportive, <laughs> tough. What, what was that growing up? There was never a lot of emotion. Um, I mean, my, either my, one of them or? Probably not. There were some. It was, wasn't negative. Uh, my father worked all the time, like I said. My mother was German, which makes it, you know, non not, not touchy-feely. Yeah, right. Um, I think my parents did the best they could. Um, and one thing I sh should mention, which just I thought of earlier, uh, when my parents married, the deal between my parents was that they had to speak English at home mm. so that my mother would learn it. My father was fluent in German. Oh, he was. He grew up in a... Um, you know, German area on the Lower East Side. I had no idea. Got it. But uh, but that was the deal. Yeah. I mean, he was born in New York. And, you know, he, he was very smart, kind of self-educated, uh, past high school. He went, went through high school. <clears throat> so Was he, I'm going to focus on your dad for a second. What do you remember him physically? Was he a healthy he, guy, an unhealthy guy? He was reasonably healthy. He was probably 5'8", and I don't know much how much he weighed. I would guess 240. Oh, so, okay. And smoked incessantly. Got it. And died of a heart attack at 53. And that, you know, it, at 53, and I'm 54. And I think I even remember you saying that once, and I w this would have been... It was a tough year. Yeah, I can only imagine. But I also, I remember you saying when you turned 53, you're like, well, I've beat my dad or something or when you turn 54. Yeah. So um, you've done a good job of, of, of moving well, well past yeah. that. But I can only imagine how tough it must have been to lose your dad at 17. And, and I think it was harder for my brother at 13. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he worked a lot and mom wasn't super effusive. Is that kind Not of? Not effusive, but she was there. She was a good mom. She worked hard around the house and did all that and probably didn't make me do enough because she used to complain about what I didn't do. That hasn't changed. Your mom likes the fact that I've done well and she does all the work. Well, call it a partnership. Um, where do you think you got your, what do you think you got from each of them? There was love, but it wasn't touchy-feely got it and what about genetically um 
smart or that's just a, a guess they were my father was very well read uh, equal to college graduates um, my mother I think as you're gonna ask anyway um, had some business savvy she did the catering and she had grown up in that little tiny little store in Germany so once my father passed, the first job I had was closing his store, oh. and that fell on me. Um, it, it wasn't that hard. It was just uh, the way it was. And that was my senior year of high school. I went to college for four years, didn't graduate. but Where did you go to school? Uh, Long Beach City for a year, three years at, at Long Beach and State. And what was the cause of you not graduating? Um, lack of interest, n no, uh, no major. Really, no major. And, yeah, and at the end, probably grades because I wasn't interested. And you, you said you paid your own way. Yeah, but yeah, to, the, yeah. Yes, but yes, there was but. virtually nothing. Were you, were you working at that time? I always worked. Okay. The um, let's go. We're going into <laughs> this. Um, well, let me let me frame it this way. We're going to get into your business world well, right now. Let me now. say this. Yeah, For, yeah. The first. Two years of college, my transportation to school was a motor scooter. Oh, I know the story. Go on. Well, that's pretty much it. Okay, that how, you. how was that experience of riding a motor scooter? I, was it a Vespa? I always, it was a Vespa. Okay. I didn't, Why didn't you keep that? It'd be really cool uh, to have that antique right now. So would some of the other cars <laughs> that I had later. Yeah. But uh, why didn't I keep it? No. So, I had to sell it. But riding... <clears throat> I'll jump ahead. It was you, 10 miles each way. You made it very clear to Doug and I growing up and Mike <clears throat> that riding motorcycles or anything with the motor was, I, not, was not permissible. <laughs> I had too many near misses. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, it definitely left a mark because that was an unequivocal. I got the only unequivocal. Yeah. Unequivocal. Yeah. Well, there might have been some other ones, but that one was well, very that clear. Well, that, that was more that clear. Was, yeah, but clearly it left a mark on you. So real quick, it's, it's off topic, but it, you brought it up. Um, you've always had a passion for cars. Um, if, if, if cars were driving by here from a certain era, what could you tell me? What era I, and what I, could you tell me? The era was um, when we moved, 1953. My father had ordered a new Chevy Bel Air sedan um, that never got delivered. So we ended up coming out to California in the 48 Dodge. Um, <clears throat> which, except for overheating once or twice in the desert, did fine. Oh, so uh, you guys drove from New York to yeah, California? Yeah. Ooh. Was that cool? It was Remember? okay. It was hot, no was air hot. conditioning. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> okay, so back to vehicles. Is it, I think we came out in June or July oh, yeah. through the warm. desert. Um, so when he was going to uh, get that 53 Chevy, I started getting interested. And I don't know the timing, but in the 50s, I knew every car. And you still can, for the most part. For the, for the most you part. You can look at a vehicle from that era. From the 50s and to some extent from the 60s, but mostly the 50s. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you've always been able to go, oh, that's a 54, blah, 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 yeah, da, da, right. which has always been neat. Um, and you're not a car nerd, but you've always appreciated a good car. I, you know, it, this is another story. It's it, when I invest in 
cars to, you know, as a we, hobby. I, I might Hold have. on, is a car really an investment? It's a purchase, I don't if know. If it's an extra car, because oh. you like old cars, it's an investment. But you never did? No, because I never had a garage. Like a, oh. I did, never had a garage, and for the most part, didn't really have the money, because I, when I started making money, I started buying real estate. Well, we're gonna so, get into that in just a minute. Um, yeah, the motorcycle thing was always one that was crystal clear. Um, the fact that you always recognized cars was always interesting growing up going, you know, it was super cool, just an interesting trait. Uh, okay, so we're gonna get back into the business. We were going into that, so you, you did four years of college, didn't finish, you were still living in Long Beach. You said you always worked. So let's talk about what leading up until, what, were you, what jobs did you hold pre-finishing college? Okay, I worked in the carpet store my father had worked for. Um, How old were you when you started there, do you think? Well, probably 17 or so. That's uh, right. Well, that's when I you... remember when my father died, I was working in a gas station, and I had been doing that for a while. Got it. So that's while he was still and there. That was, so that was after working in the store that he had worked for? No, that was before. Oh, okay. I think. Well, if you, if you gauge it based on when he passed, where were you working when he passed, do you recall? Because you were 17. Gas station. Gas station, okay. Um, after gas station. And the carpet store may have been before. Gotcha. I didn't do anything with carpet. I was just doing filing for them and finding bottles of liquor in all the file cabinets. And mm. my, father, my father was part of that. Too. Got it. <clears throat> Got it. What else? What other jobs did you hold at that over those years? Um, I worked for my Uncle Fred, stocking shelves and whatever. In, in what? kind of facility did he have? He had a, a warehouse a or a small, store? He had a st small warehouse. It was all wholesale. Okay. He, he didn't in Long Beach? Yeah. Okay. And it was a decent job. He was a fair boss, although I made a faux pas a year or two later in front of my aunt that he was a slave driver, which was never intentional. That it didn't go over well? <laughs> it didn't go over well. It. it shouldn't have. It was just an immature Comment. thing. Gotcha. And it, it wasn't meant to be factual. You know, I've done that a few times in my yeah, life. We all have. Um, okay, so after working for Uncle Fred. Uh, I don't know that I can define everything. Yes. Uh, the uh, uh, Jewish Community Center in Long Beach was brand new and opened. My Uncle Fred was a, a significant contributor and they had a pool deck with an area that was going to be a snack bar. So I don't remember. I, I was in college and pretty early on. So it was probably my freshman year. Or probably, I think it was the summer after my freshman year. I think my uncle was instrumental in me getting it as a What's kind, the snack bar, as kind of a concession. It was empty. They furnished it with all the uh, racking tables, or... racking, fryer, grill, all that. And I had a friend at college, a woman, uh, whose mother or, or parents had a hamburger drive-in in Compton. Compton was a little, a little different. A little nicer yeah. than Or parts of Compton. Uh, so... I went to work for them free uh, for a few weeks. Like an intern of sorts or something? Yeah. And 
I learned most of the business. And my mother had been a caterer and I had helped her. So, uh, you know. Uh, so you ran this? I, I, I did, I, you know, I opened it. I ran at Summers. This is the JCC Snack Bar Summers, yes. plural. How long did you run this for? Probably three years, and then Rick took it over oh. with my mother. Oh. I had the best years because at the beginning it was new, and I made really good money for a summer for for those days. Um, that let me afford a car. I mean, I never owned a new one, but I was able to buy a car and pay for the insurance. And, you know. Where were you living at that time post-college or during college? I lived with my mother the whole time. She had a house in North Long Beach. Um, Where was it? At near, near Atlantic and uh, Artesia, mm. which is almost Compton. Got it. Interesting. Okay, so you run that for a few years, then you turn it over to them. Why did you turn, did you turn it over to them? Because you had another opportunity. What were you doing? What, what, happened? what was going I, on at that time? I was leaving school, and I remember I got, um, not COVID in those days, what do kids get? What's the kissing disease? Anyway. I don't know. Uh, Cooties. Now, you'll get the answer to this later. Okay. Um, but anyway, I got that, and I had time on my hands. I decided to get a real estate license. Um, okay. Why? Okay. I don't know which came first, but I had a girlfriend, I think, when I was 18. I've told the story a million times. I want to see if I okay. have it right. Had a girlfriend when I was 18 whose father was a real estate broker. And he gave me this simple formula, which worked in those days. It would still work today, but with some change. How much do we have to pay you to say that out loud? It's not, it's not, okay, what's I've the, told a lot of people. What's the formula? The formula was buy a house for 10% down, which you could do easily then. Rent it out and break even, which you could do easily then or you could do then, um, keep it for five years, so, and it should go up 5% a year. So if it goes up 5% a year, which is 25%, and you put 10% into it, you make 25% less the cost of selling. Uh, so you basically double your money. So it's putting very little, as little down as you can, in having way, a source of income and then leveraging the um, appreciation that was happening at the time. Yes. Right? Right. Got it. Um, the income was pretty much break even, uh, but keeping it for a few years uh, worked really well. Do you want to jump to Newport Beach? No. <laughs> okay. No. We'll, but we'll get there, I promise. Um, many of these are stories. I'm glad. I've told that story a lot of times. I've told your story, yours and mom's story so many times, and sometimes I find that I'm off in my storytelling. So you might want to put some of these pieces together, but that's your business. We're, already do, we're doing it. You're doing it. Between okay. this and mom's, we're already doing it. Um, I, like I said, that story is one. Because of your real estate world, it's starting there. That's the story of kind of the genesis of you getting it into is. it. And it's my, this simple thing, but you've... Uh -huh. A lot, of people, a lot of people get advice, and it's just in one ear, out the other. For you to kind of start what's arguably one of your biggest areas of focus in your life based on the advice of a gal you dated whose dad was in real estate. It I came, mean, it came from her dad. It, I understood, but, you know, 
Again, often for most of us, it's in one ear, out the other, not for you. Um, so what did you do with that knowledge or that? When I was 18, my mother, brother, and I um, put, uh, put $500 a piece in. And your brother not, was 14 at the time. Yeah. Okay. His bar mitzvah money or some of wow. it. My bar mitzvah money, some of it. I mean, we didn't get a lot, but I think it was probably $1,000 or so. So we each put up $500, and my mother did, and uh, bought a house in North Long Beach, two-bedroom, one-bath. I don't remember what I paid, but fo- followed the formula, and it worked. Then, So which means you sold it in five years? Yeah, something like that. And then parlayed that so, into... So I was in my 20s. At that point, I didn't parlay anything. Okay, you just took the... I just did that. Took it, and uh, when, I, when you sold that, where did your mom and your brother go? Uh, well, when we sold it, if it was five years later, of uh, let's see, eighteen twenty-three, that's around when I got married. I don't know if that had anything to do with selling it or not. Mm. I don't. I, I don't know. Okay. Don't remember that. So you got married at twenty-three. At twenty-four. At twenty-four. Okay. I mean, that's pretty young, and let me just congratulate, not at those those days. And your wife of almost 60 years, my mom was in that chair. And she was a college graduate when we got married. Yes, and if anybody would like to learn her story, they can watch that pod or listen to that pod as well. Um, Let me just stop and say, holla friggin' hallelujah, thank you for, I mean, it's an incredible, your stories are, are unbelievable in so many ways, but what you've done from marriage and parenting, we'll get into the business, but thank you. You guys have been the best. I mean, we've been blessed to grow up with you guys. And, and, and we've been blessed by our offspring Well, as well. It's a, it's a little love fest, but I mean, truly, to be married for 60 years, um, yeah, a lot, a, lot of the good, a lot of good stories come you're, from You're that. exaggerating, but not by much. No, well, you're coming close <laughs> on it. You're getting close. Um, so you get married at 24. I mean, we're going straight into that. Um, well, I think, I think, I think, I'd like to keep going with the business part because okay. that continues to grow and we'll, we'll loop back into mom and then kids well, and all that stuff. Business didn't happen until after we were married. I did that one real estate investment and except for a couple little things where I put money in, which never worked that well, I, uh, I didn't do any investing. So what were you doing at that time? Um, well, I sold real estate for a year, and in 1960... Hold on, you sold real estate? I got a license. Yep, you mentioned that. So I, this is residential real estate? Residential real estate in Long Beach. Working for an agent in Long yeah, Beach. Yeah. Um, first year, I made $10,000, which was an effing lot of money uh, for then. But I decided I didn't like doing business with friends, there was too much responsibility for me to want to. I had a couple of bad experiences and decided. Just within those couple of years of doing that? Yeah, exactly. Got it. I really did it for one year and then I did a little bit piecemeal just to hold things together. Also, well, uh, 10 grand in 1963 or four was a lot, a lot of, of money. money. For a kid, you know. Did you have? What do you attribute that to? Do you were you good at something? Were you a grinder? What was it? A grinder. You were a grinder, which continued. I, I've never considered myself 
to be a super salesman, and yet I've done great at selling, mostly based on follow-up, follow-through, and building relationships. Mm. Okay, so what, and that, those terms will come back. What, what was next? You, get, you decide not to do the real estate gig. What do you do? Um, you you I, decide I got, not to I, be a real estate professional. Right. I got a couple of little jobs um, that, you know, that offered a little, or at least one, that had a possible potential, but it didn't work. Um, I was working for a girlfriend's parents in the uh, machinery business, used machinery. Anyway. Hold on. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to insert another one in here. And I think it's an important one in that did you have a goal? Did you have a vision? Did you aspire to something, whether it be... Consciously, no. No. So you were just doing what you needed to do to survive. You weren't going... To survive, but it was clear, I think, that I had a path towards business. Because when I was 21, and I don't know if you've heard this, so that was after I sold real estate for a year because I had some money. Um, I bought a hamburger franchise. It was... Tell me more. <laughs> it was uh, on property owned by Gulf Oil, you know, next to a gas station, excess property next to a gas station. I think it was in Maywood. And there was this new franchise called Mighty Mutt. Mighty Mutt? <laughs> yeah. So it's supposed to be hot dogs, but it's clear that that was not going to work out. So I think I opened their first one, and po quite possibly their last or next to their last. So I gave them all my money, which maybe was five grand and borrowed maybe five grand from my mother. So and this was a true franchise model. A true new franchise model. New franchise model, model yeah. Uh, put together by a promoter. Um, and in four months' time, I was out. Oh. I, wouldn't, I would have been bankrupt, except they just let me out. And but you didn't, didn't get any your, they didn't give you any of your money back? No, no, no. You lost it all? Yeah. Uh, and I, within the next year or so, I think it was the next year that I sold real estate, and I paid my mother back. For the loan, I think for Mighty Mutt? Yes. Got it. Half of it was mine, half of it was hers. I think it was five grand. And I paid her back out of my real estate earnings. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> I hadn't heard Mighty Mutt ever I, before. I don't like, such a disgusting name. I don't like to talk about it. But you know, it's interesting. You know, a lot of successful, most <clears throat> successful business people talk about failures as being drivers of their success. I, Did you take anything away from that? Yes, I believe that to be the case. What, can you pinpoint anything no. in that? Other than I, you I, don't like to I fail. I know I screwed up. Mm. I could use different language. Um, oh, you're welcome to use that language here too. Don't, okay. don't be afraid. I knew I screwed up um, in making the decision, but I learned a lot. What'd you learn? I, anything you know, in particular? It, to be careful making investments mm. um, and to do a good job with personnel. Um, I don't know what... Any other but, failures that piggyback? I mean, or no, was that the big one? That was the big one. Gotcha. Okay. And then what? where did you go from there? Okay. You were doing real estate. You paid back grandma or oma. No, and I, then... I went from mighty mutt to real estate. Yeah. And you paid back oma what you had yeah, borrowed. Right. Where did you do after real estate? Um, after real estate, 
my father had said to me early on that the money in carpet is in wholesale. So what'd you do? So I knocked doors, knocked on doors at all the carpet manufacturers and wholesalers in Los Angeles. I got a, a, an offer from one company that wanted you to make presentations out of a folder. I didn't take that job. Instead, I, in talking to people, I had to have some carpet experience. So I got a job in a carpet store. Where? It was in uh, maybe Downey, near Lakewood Boulevard. I think the city was Downey. Um, it was Al Terrence Carpet out of Huntington Park. Um, and I, uh, you know, I was there for a year. I learned how to drink from the guy I worked with. Um, <laughs> That's a skill that you mastered over the yeah, years. Yeah, uh, that I've cut. Yes, you know, that he was he was a drunk, and I. You've, helped, ne you've I, never been that, other than maybe once or twice that I could speak of. I don't remember. Yeah. I, that, okay, so you yeah. get a job there. And I got a job there for a year, and in a year's time or so, uh, that store closes, and I go to work for Sears selling carpet and during that time of Sears which was terrible I was knocking on doors the same people I talked to before but now you had experience now I had the experience and I got a job with a wholesaler a distributor called DNE &E Walter and Company and they hired me as a trainee that's about the time we got married and after a few months as a trainee um, they uh, started a carpet mill. I mean, the idea was I'd be a trainee and I'd sell the products they had. Uh, but then they became a manufacturer. And it was a straight commission job, but they provided a car at the beginning. Uh, and it started getting good. Got it. <laughs> well, it my territory was sent... Uh, San Clemente to uh, El Segundo. It's a big coastal developing. Just, just coastal, but not inland. You know, today you'd go <clears throat> best territory in America, but at the time things were a little bit different. But it was yeah. very hyper developing at the time. Inland Orange the County, Los Angeles were better. Better, right? So, how does that go for you? Uh, pretty well. So, okay. So, so, so you get married right around this time. Got married before I had the before I was out on the road. Got married while I was still a trainee. I was making three hundred sixty-five a month, and your mother, as a teacher, t teacher was probably making three eighty-five. Wow! So that's what we started with, and that's was you know a, an underpaid but you know livable. Yeah, and at that time at you're time. again you're twenty-four ish when you get this job. Yeah. How long did you hold that job? Uh, almost 10 years. Yeah. That job was really a driver of everything else, everything right? Everything else. Okay. So let's jump ahead. And we're, we're straight into the meat of it here. Um, you end up, shortly thereafter, you have me, 1970. And then you guys make a big move. W what was your move? All right. When you were born, we lived in Cyprus in a house we bought for 23,000 or so. Was that your second New. investment, uh, your second purchase? No, we we had semi-bought a house 
that I had sold to my mother when I was in real estate uh, that uh, was a rental for her, but it was empty. We moved in. I fixed it up. It was supposed to be a purchase, but then she kept it as a rental, and that, that was fine. Um, Let me ask you, the house that Omog lived in in Long Beach when I was a kid, is that one that you guys purchased? That's, that's the one we grew up in. Oh, no, that one? That was the one we... I remember it. I that, remember the steps up the front. Yeah. I remember the big, weird bird candle, like weird memories of that house. That is the house that we started in. Um, Would that I, have been I, your second piece of real no. estate? First, and we didn't really own it. We didn't have title. We didn't make any money or lose oh, money really? on it. Wow, we just fixed it up a little and just gave it to my mother, back to my mother. Got it. And uh, She lived there a long time. Yeah, but first it was rented. Uh, because she still had the house in North Long Beach. Got it. Um, <laughs> um, Quirks. Keep it a little farther away. From, yes, sir. Um, okay, so uh, Long Beach, and then you have me in, in, Cyprus, in Cyprus, and then... We bought that house in Cyprus for $23,250 new. It was a three-bedroom a uh, little family room and uh, two baths. And it was very close to the the horse racing right across the street. The, okay, got it. The lights from Los Alamitos shined in the shined in the living room uh, windows. Um, but I have to tell you when your mother saw the model of that house, she burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because she was so happy or so unhappy? Yeah, no. <laughs> It was happy. Oh, wow, what's making you I, tear up? I don't know. No. And I, I do this. Well, that was a big deal, right? I mean, it was a, if anybody listens or knows my mom's story, I mean, she comes from very little, and so I would imagine. Actually, actually she comes from a little less. A little less. But moving uh -oh. out here as a teacher, um, meeting you within a few years, I can only imagine buying a brand new I, home. I, I think within a year. Buying a brand new home has got to be a life-changing aware like like i can only imagine for both of us for both of you yeah <clears throat> now mom tells the story of she said that at this time you had this you possessed this level of confidence that you almost like you knew i'm going to quote almost like you knew you were going to make it i would trust her word because i i don't think i'd tell that story that way myself but I don't have a different story. Well, that was her perception of, yeah. of you at that time. You know, so, I heard that, and I, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with it. Well, so you, how old were you would have been? You're buying a brand new home. You have a little baby, and you're buying a brand new three. No, you were born when we lived in Cyprus. In that house. But that was the house you're talking about, right? Yeah. That was, she saw the plans for it. She right. burst into tears. Right. It's incredible. She saw the model. And then, but you didn't stay there that long. Uh, you, you were born about a year later. We, I think we stayed there two years. Got it. And I had carpet accounts, you know, up and down the coast. And I disagree with you on something that, that you said on the interview with mom. Uh, so this is where I'm going to get corrected on a story that I've told 10,000 times. So I'm publicly saying I had it wrong. I'm getting you, directed right you, now. You just had it a little wrong. Uh, among my accounts up and down the coast was Newport floor covering, which you mentioned. But they were very nice people, and we had a good relationship. We didn't do a lot of business. Oh. Um, but we did some business. And ironically, they were in Corona Mar on Pacific Coast Highway for right. decades and decades, and they are now directly across the street from where we're sitting. Right, exactly. 
It's different people. Yeah. But the, uh, at the time, the owners were Don and Marilyn Bolton. Um, they were very nice people. We had little in common, but they were very nice and very accommodating. And they were about 30 years older than me. 20, I don't know. Got it. Um, so it was your so territory that... It was my territory. That but Got it. After a while, uh, you know, I'd have lunch with them occasionally. And I would pay. Uh, mm. Well, you know, I was, I was yeah. in straight, sales. straight that's commission, the way, yeah. and that's, that's the way what it worked. I did. Um, but they introduced me to their landlord, who was upstairs, uh, Walt Boyce. Mm-hmm. We, we were just talking yeah. about Walt a little earlier. And he's, he's the one that told me, uh, I think when I, either when I first met him or when I started buying houses in Harborview, um, and that should probably come first. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can tell the Walt story. Right. Well, he told me when I was buying houses in Harborview how lousy an investment it was. Oh. And, I had uh, that story wrong, too. I just, the way I would say it is that you were, the way I've said it so many times is you were, um, Walt had, had advised you that chasing rents and fixing toilets when you own a, a residential property is a lot of work, but if you that, get into that, that, commercial, it's triple net leases and I, the tenant I, I, I is think, obligated. I think some of that is your story. It's I'm probably, sure. I've told it so many times I've made it the way so, I want it. But uh, we, we missed the part of moving to Newport. So we were in Cyprus for two weeks, two years. Two years. And during the course of that time, we visited the models at Harborview Homes. Why? Because I wanted to move that way. I liked it. I thought it was, I could see the value in, in real estate being better there. And you were exposed to it because of your, your territory right. went all the way to St. Clemente. So you're spending a lot of time on the road. How did you get exposed specifically to, of all those communities, why Newport, why that area? What, do you remember why? I like Newport. Okay. It just because you, so were you spending I, 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 a fair I, bit of time? I had here? accounts there, and you know I spent too much time with um, Newport floor covering because we were friends. Even though they didn't buy that much, okay, right? So, all right. So tell tell us about. So for reference, you're talking about Harborview Homes, better known today as the Port Streets, incredibly exclusive very high-end beautiful we, community well we decided to leave cyprus we rented that house out for a year or two uh, because we couldn't sell it initially um and then our first house in the port streets was the biggest model it was a five bedroom three car garage three ba- yeah, three baths and we paid around 45,000 for it, including the land, which was optional. I've always understated. I've always said it was 35. No. Um, what street? Uh, Port Ramsgate. Yep. Kid that I grew up with named Tim, Tim Gilroy ended up growing up in that house after you sold it. In that house, yep. his father just passed away. Oh, is that uh, right? His mother was gone. Gotcha. Uh, his father just passed away in an auto accident. Oof, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, but you were only in that house for a short amount of time. Um, a couple of years. Two years. And then you moved somewhere else in the neighborhood. To, why? To why, Port why the pivot? Port Stanhope was a, a slightly smaller house that had more to it. It had that, uh, you remember the opening and then the other room? Yeah, there was like the garage. It was almost and, like a separate house uh, with a uh, bedroom upstairs and the pool table downstairs. Yeah, exactly. 
and a pool. It was a big no, property. Well, it was new, so yeah. we put the, it was, a lot of it was the big property. Because we wanted a pool, we couldn't, we probably could have wedged a pool into Port Ramsgate, but. So let me ask you this, what's your head, how are you feeling? You've bought this, this brand new custom home in Cyprus, and then you move, you make a decision, you move down to. None, none were custom homes. Okay, but they're new. Yeah. Yeah. New home in Cyprus and a kid. Then you move to the Port Streets, buy a brand new home. Have a have kid. An, have another kid, Douglas, Doug. Um, and then two years later, you move to another one, so you have room for a pool. Pretty different from where you were five, because at that time, well, you're still not even 30 years old. I was making good money. I mean, I'll, I can talk about how much I made, because... <laughs> In 1969, I just remember the year. The I was year born. Okay. okay, 1969, I think I made $39,000, which was an incredible amount of money. And this is all by way of your carpet. 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 So let's, why were you so successful in carpet? I've never figured it out exactly because I'm not a super salesman, but I was really good at follow up, follow through. If I'd have a conversation with someone and they had an issue that had to be dealt with. I'd be on the phone either then or the next morning from home figuring out where the carpet was, what was going wrong, or, and you know, meeting people at Walters that could do some good, and I was able to. Got it. So you might not have been like the most, I don't know, schmoozy, if, charismatic, if, if, but you were I'm, definitely I'm not a very good operator. I'm not effusive. But you were a good operator. Yeah. And you were responsive, and that's, that's more than half of it. So I absolutely got agree. It. And you, okay, so you continue on in that. Um, what happens next? Let's see. I may have bought a house. I think I did buy a house uh, after Port, after we moved into Port Ramsgate. I think I bought another one on that street. A, another one on another street, but in Harborview Homes. I thought it was on that street. No. Okay. Uh, that, yes, I bought. Uh, Oh, so the house on that street. Let's jump in. That was later. How many homes did you end up with? At, at, and it's not super important, but you ended up buying. At some point, uh, including uh, a couple of partnerships, which I don't do anymore. Um, nine. You had nine in there. See, I, that's twice what I what I thought. Well, did you follow may, the same? Maybe seven, if you want to count. Did you follow the same advice from? your very first one yeah they 10 percent down five-year turn initially they were 10 percent down i didn't buy all new ones i bought a lot of resales and then you were a landlord and did you manage those all yourself i did i replaced toilets i i replaced water heater that's the story i remember telling i remember chasing rents and fixing toilets I, with you on the, on the mean, weekends although I, I doubt i did much i i didn't have to do i could have called someone I, yeah but so you were I, handy i was handy hmm interesting what happens next uh, and it's not because my father was a lumber salesman. no i know so you're <laughs> hold on so you are um still selling carpet and you're buying real estate are you using all of it are you saving are you or are you committed to buying real estate committed to buying real estate but never operating without a little bit of backup got it you've kind of followed that your whole i mean yes. that has not ever changed yeah, we were talking no, about that today no. it's still the same i'm conservative sort of sort of yeah I'm, you know, I've talked to many people over the years that wish they had done what I did, but didn't have the 
guts. Okay, I'm going to quote, and it is you basically just said it, but I have a very good friend whose father is your age, and he used to say, Mark, the difference between my dad and your dad is that my dad talked about it and your dad did it when it came to real estate. Listen, everybody always talks about, oh, if we could have bought over so-and-so five years ago, if I would have kept that house and said, but you, and I did. you generally can't do it. You did it. You figured out a way to do it. You've got to give a lot of, uh, a lot of credit to that woman's dad that you dated before mom, right? I don't know where the credit belongs. No, I the, mean, the cer- credit belongs cer- with you, buddy. Certainly, he deserves credit for that because I wouldn't have bought that first house. But he could have told a lot of people that same thing. And he prob- you, probably did. And you were the one that acted on it, and yeah. that recipe worked really, really well for you. Yep. It doesn't happen without, again, this is what people will figure out. You're a friggin' smart, smart, <laughs> hardworking guy, and you always have been, and, and that's where this all started. I mean, And I never not. thought I was as smart as you think I am, but anyway. The proof is in the pudding. Got it. Um, so you don't own any secondary residences anymore. So what did you do with all that stuff? Well, a couple over commercial, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all. But you never, you, you pivoted at some point from, and I don't know okay. what came first. No, I do. I, Let's talk about why you started selling those off and what you were doing with that. I uh, <clears throat> probably had some, I don't know if I have the savings or not, but uh, after talking to Walt, uh, the Walt boys, who I'd visit with occasionally too because he was involved in real estate, although just commercial. And his office was upstairs upstairs from from the carpet, Newport, Florida. At some point I decided to uh, try it, try the commercial. And I bought the building in Corona Del Mar, that's two, three, four, five, was a medical building. Was that your first? I thought uh, Laguna no. Beach was your first. No. No, no, no. Not even close. Really? Two, three, four, five was my first. Not Forest. No. Gosh, see, I have my That story. came a lot later. I have my stories so well, off. See, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting my story correct. That's why you're doing this. Yes, sir. All right. Um, so I bought that. and Which you still hold. Still hold. I don't want to mention values or income. No, there's no need to. But my... Did you sell one of the... Did you have to sell any of the residential properties to fund those? I'm not sure. Did, it, did the same model work on commercial as you followed for residential? At the beginning, yes. I was able to buy the first two buildings for 10% down. That's amazing and, that you followed that same strategy. Um, I might have paid more if I had it down, but I didn't. Didn't have to. I didn't have more because I was cash poor. But I think I always had some. So it was... Hey, over how many years did you acquire all those properties in the Port Streets? Um, We moved there in... 70. In 70. And we moved out of there... 80? In 79. 79. And you unloaded them all during that time? No. Not during that time, some afterwards. Um, what, what would you guess the average appreciation annually of residents in that, at that time, in that, in that community? It was pretty good, but it was relatively small numbers compared yeah, to today. It, I'd say on an av- there were some bad years, but on average, at least 10% an- annually. 10% annually. Which would have doubled what my, my formula was. And what kind of interest rates were you experiencing those days? I don't remember. They were higher. They were probably 
seven or eight percent. For those of us that are so used to and waiting for it to drop back down to threes three. and fours, ain't, ain't going to happen. And it never. I mean, what was the average interest rate? Do you think you dealt with for thirty years? Seven uh, percent. Yeah, where we are today. Um, which is interesting. What's the highest interest rate you've ever bought something at? I don't know. <clears throat> Probably double digit, low doubles. No, I don't think I ever was yeah. willing to do Got that. It. I had some seconds at ten percent, mostly to my. At that point, my mother had saved some more money, so I, I borrowed from her on seconds, and I'd pay her ten percent even if I could get it for a little less. She's so smart. See, that's those are the little things that nobody knew what was going on. How you bring in your mom into it, and um, that's the only way. I occasionally borrowed from her, and I paid her off pretty quickly, but to help me buy a building. That's super cool. And I paid her more than... Got it. So ultimately, and just for context, those homes, this is, this is safe to say, those homes that you haven't held in decades, when you were buying them at 45 to maybe, maybe 100 was the most you yeah, spent? Yeah, probably. You'd stick a zero or two zeros behind that right now. At least. At least, yeah. untouched. Yeah. I mean, it's staggering appreciation I'll in that I'll tell community. you one little story about your mother. While I was doing that... Um, there was a house in Big Canyon, and I had never bought anything there. But it turned out that it was the last $100,000 house in Big Canyon. It was a resale. And your mother didn't want me to buy it because it was a more expensive house than what we lived in. Mm. So I didn't. Got it. Well, we could have been neighbors with my wife's family. But your mother hasn't given me too much real estate <laughs> advice since. You guys have a good... Uh uh, divide and conquer mentality, which is really good. All right, well, we could keep going on because you did more and more and more of this commercial real estate. Well, yeah, I have to go to this. The first building was the medical building, two, three, four, five. The second building a year later was 3101. What, what was housed in 3101? Um, it was a toy store and a hardware store. Got it. And six months after I bought it, the owners, who were a 70-year-old couple, decided to retire. I just wanted a tenant. I had given no thought to being in, and, yeah, in that business. Yeah, you were just going to be a landlord. Yep. Um, no, I was, I was still working in carpet. Um, but I wasn't... No, but for that property, you were just no, looking, as, yeah, as you said, as for a tenant. As an investment. But when they decided to retire and they refused to sign a lease... A five-year lease because they were too conservative that that took out of the market all the buyers for a business with one exception and he offered me a uh, 10-year lease with no cost of living increases and this was in the 70s when the cost of living was going nuts so I said no and I thought about it and I decided I should be able to do this so mm -hmm. I negotiated or whatever we came to a deal and i went to work for one of my carpet not, not a carpet account but for a hardware store there was a friend of one of my carpet accounts in redondo beach i went to work for them for a couple of weeks mm. and i don't know if i got paid or not probably not see i don't i didn't know uh, uh, this part of the story well it was just for understood just to get i was selling i was selling carpet yeah. so i wasn't working there much yeah, sure but I also, Just wasn't, understanding. I also wasn't selling much carpet that late in my career when, when I knew I was going to do something gotcha. else. Um, so I got some experience and bought the store in Corona Del Mar. 
and uh, the toy store was there for a few years after that. So it was a 4,800-foot store plus some warehouse space upstairs. And this would have been and 1974 or 5? Yeah. Okay. Uh, probably 4. And I, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Well, and you took it over. You took I over. I took it over. I bought it from it. What was it called? It, it, Crown. Crown what? Crown Hardware. Crown Hardware. And it had opened in what year, do you recall? Um... 1949 that's right yeah well i've seen your shirts um you buy a store you own the real estate in chronomar um this is before the days of home depot and lowe's and certainly before amazon so little communities all over the u.s were peppered with little mom and pop stores and i recall that this store was pretty junky when you bought it or when you took possession of the store i don't know that was junky but it was under uh, underperforming got it and so um, what did you do well i didn't know anything about retail so other than the fact that i called on carpet retailers which is not the same um the store was a true value store at the time um i uh i looked around and within a year i had put in six or seven foot fixtures because the you're fixture, talking height. Yep. Yeah, the fixtures that were in there were like 4.2 uh, or 4. Yeah, four, for anybody that's thinking feet. about retail, think of grocery stores, you know, fixtures are 7 or 8 feet tall. What they were in there, they were 4 feet tall, so shoulder height. Yeah, so you could see shoplifters. Yeah, but as, also as if hyper reduces the amount of inventory you can put hy- in a building. Hyper reduces it. So what did so you do? So no one in the industry that I was aware of was putting in higher fixtures, but I figure it's Corona Del Mar, rents are high per square foot. I mean, they weren't high, but per square foot, they were high compared to other markets. So I figured we have to go up. I talked to the Hardware Association, which at the time sold fixtures, and was advised by them not to do it because hmm. nobody else was doing it. And I did it. And Which is also, I think, representative of how you've looked at a lot of things in your business career, right? Like... You kind of go with your gut, and it typically works. Typically, not always, but you t- typically. Yeah. So. Uh, Business was good thereafter. Well, it did three hundred sixty-five thousand the first year, and I, th- I don't know the figures exactly, but I think by year three I was doing a million. It's a pretty good, <laughs> pretty good lift, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then, and I'm going to help kind of tell the story. Then you start getting phone calls. From other folks. Okay, I think it was store, uh, uh, year two that I did a million. And uh, uh, Clint Hoos, who owned... Uh, Ryan. Ryan Hardware, R-I-O-N. Which is half a mile from where we're sitting down right, the same street right, right here. 17th and Irvine. Yep. Decided he wanted to retire. And he heard about me and called me. Long story short, I bought it. And... Uh, did more or less the same thing. It was a better store, I think. Yeah. But I did more or less the same thing. And we've reinvested oh, tons. numerous times since then yeah. and expanded, expanded. Same with the hardware store in Cronomar. Expanded, expanded, right. and expanded here numerous times. And then you get a third phone call. From Imperial Hardware in the Imperial Valley, who had owned a store at Newport and a store in Long Beach. Well, Long Beach, they had to close because of redevelopment or urban development. 
and then they decided they didn't need one in Long Beach, so they... Or in Newport? In Newport, so they called me. Um, and I bought that. And the thing that's amazing, that store, those three stores still exist. Well, It was in a different location. A different location. But yeah. a mile down the same road. Right. But you have three stores within three miles, and, they, and you lived right in the middle of all three, more or less. And they all... Did well. Did well and improved. And you own the real estate on one, least yeah. two. It would probably have been... Better Fine. off sitting with those three. Just and, sitting with those three, and yeah. life would have been easy. Yeah. Except that you're. Uh, that's not who. That's not who you are. And I've gotten that grow gene from you. Um, and real estate continued. So you were. You told me at one well, point. Well, I think yeah, I put real estate on hold. While for, you're, for a while. After I bought the hardware store building and the hardware store, I don't think I did anything for a handful of years. Maybe as much as five. Got it. But after, amount, after some amount of time, you started trying to find, ideally, real estate that you could put a hardware store in or a hardware store that you could also buy the real estate. So um, at one point, I think you told me, I may get the quote wrong, you can correct me, that each year you wanted to buy something commercial. And if it was... No, for every hardware store that I rented, uh-huh. I wanted to buy a piece of property on my own. So some diversity and... Yeah, because, you know, I would have bought the hardware stores if I could have, but most of them were in big centers like Westcliff, yeah. owned by the Irvine Company, couldn't begin to afford to buy sure. it. So I, I don't know exactly when I decided that, but I decided that every time we opened a hardware store, I would try to buy a commercial product. It's such a smart strategy, and, and, and you've done it really well. Um, we could keep going, but I'm going to, I, so that was in the seventies to about 80 and there was many other stores. I came on board. We'll talk about a bit in the early nineties and 94 and you already had eight stores. So dad, we were talking about the hardware stores and the evolution of crown with you and the growth of it. And I mentioned that when I came on board, uh, you already had eight stores. So I was pretty far ahead of the curve. You know, I would say that you were definitely the the entrepreneur that, as you said, started with one, added new fixtures, you know, doubled the, or tr almost tripled the, the revenue in the first couple of years, added more stores, and I got to come on in a very different capacity. But for, the, for those that don't know, I, we worked together. I came online in 1994, a couple years post-college. My degrees have nothing to do with business or running hardware stores. Um, Which is one of the reasons that I asked you to start on the floor and you didn't. Well, but, my, but I worked retail for a long time. My first job was at 13 at Surfside Sports, not far from here. I worked retail. Who's all interviewing whom? Well, but I think it frames the relationship. Yeah. But you can already see, um, and that's going to bring me my, to my first question on this in just a moment, but we ultimately ended up working together for 20, a little over 20 years. What's interesting is I came on in 94. You were younger than I am today. You were 50-ish. I'm 54 ish um, and I was 24 at the time and you know what we don't talk about here is during college or prior to college during high school what was I like during <laughs> high school you know where this is going well it's important <clears throat> because you still took me on you were one tough kid yeah and I apologize still for you, those you apologize almost every time you see me <laughs> and, and you're a good kid, but you're really tough. Yeah, yeah. And yet, a few years later, 
after you know you guys paid my college for two degrees and granted our relationship got better when i after i moved out and after i started to do well in college but for me to come on board which was never a discussion that we had was never even i think a thought well, that anybody had that well, we would the, want to do it the first i knew about that is when you said dad you better be sitting down yeah well i called mom when i was traveling and i kind of had an epiphany that i'm like i think i need to take this opportunity i've told the story a lot that i interviewed when i got back from that trip a couple of my friends dads forey olson and conrad baumgartner senior and asked them what what do you think here's what i'm thinking about and they both kind of unequivocally said the same thing separately saying most people go into business with the goal of owning their own business and if you've got the opportunity to try it and see if it works you better try it and that's what i did so jumping ahead how was it working with me? Um, about the same as it was for you to work with me. <laughs> okay, go deeper so other people understand what we're talking about. Um, we have different philosophies. And in retrospect, you had the right idea, but you didn't al al always express it right. Um, I, you're a better people person than I am. I had to be well-rounded and... I had to deal with the numbers and the people. You, from the beginning, figured out that numbers weren't for you, but you're a far better people person than I was. And you ended up getting together with a far better numbers person than I was. But, I think we would argue mm -hmm. far better, but... Well, I wouldn't argue. Yeah. He's referring to Matt Fales, my business partner, and one of my good friends who's, as I would call Matt, an idiot savant, more idiot than savant, but brilliant with numbers and a great, great person. We're very aligned, but it's interesting because do you remember, Dad, the two kind of business financial rules um, that you gave me growing up? Give me a hint. Well, there was two, pretty simple. Kind of like the real estate equation that you followed. You basically said, never carry a balance on your credit card and don't take on a business partner. Those were the two rules. I was really good with one. I've never carried a balance. But I brought, you brought me on as business partner ultimately, and then I brought on Matt, and both have been world-class, life-changing, right. super cool opportunities. But I would say that, you know, maybe for me summarizing working with you for 20 years, we have a, an executive vice president named Frank Rogers who's still with, he was your right-hand man, he's yeah. been right -hand, good friends of ours, he's a stud, great guy. Um, How many years has he been with Crown? Coming yeah. up on 40. Yeah. And he's getting younger every year. He's, he's awesome. And but what's Frank played middleman quite a bit. He was very skilled at understanding how to navigate you and manage me, because you and I went nose nose quite a few times over a lot right. of years. Because we had, your you were the entrepreneur. It was your business, and I was the snot nosed kid that thought I knew something. Sometimes I did. Sometimes I didn't. Maybe never presented it very well, but. You know, I would always say, or I would say right now, that my biggest accomplishment is working with you for 20 years um, and still loving you as my dad and, and not killing each other along the way. Well, I think that, <laughs> that works two ways. Say, it's expressed well. Yeah, it wasn't always easy, for no, sure, right? No. However, we did a lot of, I mean, by the time that you retired and structured the, the buyout, I mean, we were operating as many as 20 stores at one point. Uh, there's been a lot of evolution and changes along the way and since then but yeah we were in we were a good partnership even though it was probably challenging at, at certain times but 
working with a family member, at least you have total trust and a lot of alignment. But I would always say there were certain times I'd go in your office and I feel like you're looking at a 12 year old across the desk and yeah, I don't, it's, it was I don't hard. Think, I don't think I was, but I think it was a matter of philosophies. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Well, here we are and yeah. we, we made it. So that's good. It's really good. Um, I think that, you know, and all through this, um, I would say that for me, a lot of, and I talk about this with my kids, like osmosis is a powerful thing. A lot of what I hope my kids get is just from watching how I operate, whether it be from how I interact with my wife, how I manage myself in the world, how I look at health and fitness, all those things. And from role modeling perspective, I think that's probably the most important area is that osmosis, it's that lead by example. And you and mom have always done an incredible job of that whether it be in business or in community. You've done a lot of stuff over the years. You and mom have always been very involved. And I give your mom more credit. Okay, talk about that. <clears throat> She's the one that's really worked in the community. I mean, I did for a short time, but for three years I was president of um, Jewish Federation in Orange County. But, and it wasn't a great three years. Uh, I remember asking you a question about why you did that. I think someone needed to do it. I think, I think that's really the answer. Go deeper. What do you mean? Well, I was on the board, and I think we, I don't know if we fired the executive director or he left. I think he may have been fired. Uh, in any event, they found a retired executive director that was well respected and for some stupid reason he said he wouldn't I had known him uh, years and years before when I was a kid but he said he'd only come on if I became president mm. that's how it happened why do you think that was his position probably because he thought he could do things his own way and I wouldn't know any better. And to some extent, he was right. Mm. Oh, that's that's different. That's a different uh, strategy than I expected the yeah, answer to be. Yeah. It was another, it. another one of those lessons. What was that lesson? That lesson was, if you're going to be involved in something, you have to take a leadership role and really be a leader. Mm. I was the uh, president, but I didn't, but I followed it. I didn't follow instructions, but... I allowed myself to be manipulated. Oh, interesting. Well, let's talk about leadership. Obviously, you ran a big company, um, or our company. You also served on Ace Hardware's board of directors. Right. How was that experience? It was good. It was really a learning experience. The first executive director there that was there for maybe two years, a year maybe, when I was there, tried to intimidate me. Um, when I came on um, and did to some extent but that didn't take too long um, but that was his style um, I think changes started not under I wasn't in charge but I think I helped a lot of change like we our meetings went over weekends what's fine for people living in Chicago, which the staff was, wasn't fine for living in California. Yeah, sure. And uh, then we got a, a better executive. It, it, 
You help bring about change. Is that kind of the I think so. Gist? I think that's a lot of what you've done across. I mean, if you look back at how you did things and um, the impact of you, and you can give credit to mom, but a lot of what you've done is supporting organizations, whether it be financially, leadership-wise, or um, in a lot of ways, you've always taken a leadership role. Mom has too. And I think, again, from an osmosis perspective, I think that's why you see, or I think for me personally, I, a lot of what I do and how I live my life is because of what I learned from you guys. Um, and it, again, Matt and I are trying to replicate what you've done with the stores we've been acquiring, the real estate. It, Matt always says, so again, Matt Fails, my business partner who spends a lot of time with you, is almost like your fourth son. Um, we're just trying to learn from you and continue the strategy because if you look back, like success leaves clues, you look back at what you've done, it's worked pretty stinking well and we're just trying to f you know, find those pearls and, and follow that strategy. And I will say your partner kind of leaves it up to me after you've made a decision. I, I don't know if that's, uh, I always agree with him because he's such a thinker and numbers person. But if I totally disagreed, I don't know what the response would be. Well, let me, well, we, we take it to heart for sure. But let me ask you this. You, many times, and even earlier today we were talking about it, you'll say, you know what, I need to stop. I can't, I don't want to buy anything else or we shouldn't grow. You, know, yeah. you guys shouldn't add more stores. What tends to happen then? You do it. <laughs> <laughs> you do it too. I think, I think your answer is, what you're saying there is be cautious but if something really good comes along, we're gonna friggin' do it, right? Right. Yeah. And that You've was done that, and I've done that. Yes, we again, osmosis is, is pretty powerful. We're really following the Jeff Shuline playbook on a lot of this. Um, this is gonna take me into more of some Q and A for you. Just kind of, you know, we were very well, tactical. Should, and, should be easier. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Um, outside of business and the successes that you've had, how do you? How do you look at your life? I, I look at it as pretty well lived. I, uh, I think family com comes first. And I have every reason to feel good about what we've accomplished. Business is interesting. And I think it's a great story. And I don't know that I can give you all the answers about why I got, got into it and all that. Uh, so, uh, and I've never aspired to have a big boat and part, part of doing real estate is I needed capital and I didn't want partners. So I've never allowed myself to spend a ton because uh, that would be investment capital. And when I bought things, I wanted to keep some reserves. So you've learned that lesson. Um, that's a lot of how things have come about in who we are as a family, how we handle money, uh, you know, that we don't live a more ostentatious lifestyle. Hallelujah. I mean, we live nicely. For sure. Um, Listen, I've but, said it all the time. Growing up around here, you see, um, you see it all. 
right, financially. And the people that I was always most impressed with growing up were some of my friends' parents that I knew they had a ton of money that you would never know by how they acted, how they treated other people, what they wore. They were just normal people that happened to have done incredibly well. And then, and I would say that that's what you and mom have done. And what you've done with the success financially and for others, I mean, it's super inspiring. And, and again, um, you've done very good things with it, both from leadership, financial, philanthropic. I mean, that's, that's the I'm, measure. Like I, I said, at. I think it's been a life well lived. Yeah. Um, you mentioned family. Um, you've got three boys, seven grandkids. Has that been fun? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Listen, I, I, we appreciate, I, I personally appreciate, I knew how, you mentioned your dad worked a lot. You worked a lot. I, 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 I worked a lot, but I was home evenings. For sure. And I was home at least one weekend day, and, and that was only the first few years after that I was home. Uh, my father worked many more hours. I don't know, some of it he may have spent in a bar. Gotcha. <laughs> but uh, I think I... You know, that's yeah. how I perceive it. Well, f for me, you know, I know that we grew up because of your hard work and success and, and everything that you were doing. I would say that Doug and Mike and I grew up, I always say it this way, like rounding second, using a baseball analogy, rounding second base. Like we're, we hit the ball, or the ball was hit, not we, but the ball, you guys hit the ball, we're rounding second on the way somewhere. And I would always equally say that you and mom were both kind of born on home bait, home plate with a bat on the ground and pick up the bat and see what you can do with it. So I just want to give you gigantic kudos for, for what you've created and how you've done it. Cause, um, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to live just a couple miles from you, a couple miles from where we grew up in a very, very cool, beautiful place. And I'm in the business that you purchased and started. And so just a lot has been, set in motion by you and mom and a lot of us have you know watched that and benefited from that so thank you um this is where you and i differ quite a bit like i say in a lot of ways i fall off the mom tree from like the way like mom and i have a lot of similarities you and i have i, I definitely have picked up i'd like to think some of my my strong business traits from you um but from like a passion perspective like i don't do you have like, it's not your natural, this is not a question that comes naturally applied to you, but are there, is there anything in your life that you're passionate about? Not a lot. And I, I think it comes from my upbringing. It is what it is. And I don't, I haven't analyzed it that closely. I used to get passionate about new cars. What was your, what was your first, like, I made it, or success car. It was, oh, a car. Well, the first one was probably a Fiat 128 Spider. The yellow one. Yeah. Um, Convertible. Be, because it was just an extra car. Um, that, I mean, the, the cars I drove were always decent cars, like a Toronado. To Tor I don't know what that is. Oldsmobile front-wheel drive, like an Eldorado. Got it. Not familiar. Um, I used that to schlep carpet samples, and 
where other people were using station wagons. <laughs> so, I mean. Got it, yeah, never over the top. I, I think the nicest car I recall, like there was a period of time you had Corvettes, you had a Porsche right. or two over time. You're driving a Tesla now, like, yeah, got it. Just interesting. Um, hobbies, this is another one kind of like, what about hobbies? What hobbies? Uh, yeah, I, this is the question. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? Um, when I was a kid, I did stamps and other odds and ends. I think it's just me. I never went with stamps. I never did it right. I collected some, but I never really seriously investigated how to do it right, what to do. I've always kind of gone with things where I figured it out on my own. And I couldn't, you know, there, you can't do that in all areas. Yeah, got it. So I guess it's real estate and the hardware business. That's kind of the way, I mean, yeah. and family and, and you know, yeah. you're, you're quite a chef and I know you like to do, I mean, you and mom have always been the center of like the shoe line workman family universe and entertaining. I mean, you're very, you guys are both very good at that. I know you'll defer to mom and say that's really mom, but and, it takes and, two to tango. And I think soon mom will defer to maybe some of her offspring. Maybe. maybe. Let me ask you, big question, what are you most proud of? My family. Yeah? In what way? You're all decent people. You're good people. And what more can, can one expect? Yeah. Osmosis. Thank you for leading by example. Is there anything that pisses you off? Nothing comes to mind. I'm sure there is. <laughs> There's a time we just said, yeah, you. Um, well, I mean, those, those, but those are transient things. Um, um, I thought I had an answer. There's politics, you know. Yeah. Um, but What about your body right now? Does that piss you off? You know, I'm almost 82, and I've had trouble with my legs. I just figured this morning for, you know, walking, not distances for close to 20 years. Really? That long? Yeah. Um, I've had to use one of those. You had to bend over and stretch. I, and Well, yeah, and I've used one of those uh, canes with a seat that flips down many, many years ago if we'd visit museums or something like that on a trip. Got it. I think what bugs me now is uh, trips for me. Your mom can still travel, and I don't know if she will without me. And I can't. Yeah, I can't You're do much. You're big travelers yeah. forever, yeah. right? When I framed that, what pisses you off? I thought you might throw. Yeah, my body's pissing me off these well, days. Well, yeah, you're right, but I didn't yeah. think of it in those terms. Got it. Um, let me ask you this question about your body: How many knees do you have? Um, I have two. How many artificial knees have you had? Three. God. That's just bad luck right there. You just had to phrase the question yes, right. Yes, I know. I'm not very good at that. Um, would you change anything? I haven't given it any serious thought. Yeah, I think I would. My years rolling. I think I should have listened to you. And uh, So you used to row for, how long do you think you rowed for here in the Bay in Newport? Close to 20 years. That Really? That long? Close. You used to kayak and row. The last time I kayaked was when I was 60, went 12 miles with Doug, a whale sounded between us. And that night, I couldn't walk. 
I mean, mm. that got better. That was just a back issue. Yeah. But I, what I regret, because it's affected my life, is both rowing and kayaking not having better form. It so, sounds so simple. I enjoyed them both immensely. And they kept me really healthy, I think, for a long time. But I think they've screwed up. Uh, overuse injuries my or back overuse and, without I mean, my technique. shoulders I can deal with from uh, rowing wrong. My back from, which may have been kayaking, um, you know, less so. Well, a lot, you know, I look at your skinny legs and then I look at my, I look skinny in the mirror legs. and I'm like, I, I see my future right in front of me. Um, yeah, but it's, when you do things athletically, you do them right. I didn't. Well, that's arguable, but I appreciate okay. that. Um, then why did you give me lessons? <laughs> <laughs> or tell me how to do it? Well, I tried. I did my best. Um, Dad, do you think you have any, I mean, with all the success and the things that you've done and continue to do, do you think that you have a, a superpower? Like, is there anything, that, like you have a skill set that is so significant or so you're so good at something that it's enabled you to do what you've done in your life? You could probably answer that better than me because I honestly, you know, all my successes and whatever, I've never thought about how good I am or whatever. I mean, there are a lot, because every place you go, there are better people, people who do a better job. Um, so it's not something I've consciously given any thought to. Hmm. And maybe that's my superpower that I don't think that high, I don't think badly of myself, but I'm not on, e on an ego trip, I think. No, I don't think anybody would ever accuse you of being on an ego trip at all. And if, if anything, I would say you may not recognize your impact in a lot of ways. I think you're probably right and from, if, from what you say. <laughs> and I'm not disagreeing, but you know, I am who I am. If you were to talk to Matt, who you guys talk a lot of business. He refers to you as one of the smartest guys that he's I know, spoken and I, with. I don't quite understand. <laughs> well, um, but he does say that, absolutely. and he's a very smart person. Absolutely. And, and you've made it. Again, you've created something that we're trying to emulate, and so. But I think to make it, you need to have a goal as to what to make. Okay, but I never did. I just wanted to be successful, and then I just kept wanted to, kept wanting, to keep going. So you can truly say that you didn't have a goal like I want to make sure I. Like, I I think I always wanted underlying. I always wanted to be successful, whatever it was, and I, I never quantified what that is. Mm. You know, in the carpet business, I did well. Was I the, you know, was that my goal? No. In real estate, I did well. That was a goal. And in business, success was a goal. But I didn't, you know, I did business and real estate at the same time. I didn't have specific goals. Got it. Except success. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're a baseball player from the batting average, um, you know, you're batting pretty high averages there between your, if you measure yourself based on things you've talked about, business, real estate, 
family. Don't use a baseball metaphor. I know. The fact that I can is pretty ridiculous because you and I are cut from the same sports. Yeah. yeah, we don't watch a lot of sports. But the reality is if you measure, if you were to be measured or measure yourself based on your performance in any of these areas, high achiever, right? What you've accomplished in all of these areas. Except in school. Okay, but what do you mean? You, what? Well, what about? I went to college for four years. I don't have a degree. Does Elon Musk? I don't. I mean, is that how important is that? It's not. But you're okay. saying whatever. Got it. Got and it. and it took me years to figure out that it wasn't that important. Interesting. Because that was another place where everyone told me I was wrong. Probably like the real estate at the beginning. How do you feel in reflection of all the people that told you you're wrong or don't do this or do that, and you didn't listen to them and you have I don't, I don't remember any of that. <clears throat> so you don't really... It's not, not important. So you're not measuring yourself against any... You're not gauging yourself against anybody else. Is no. There were times you would say, I'm the poorest guy in my neighborhood. Well, yeah. And that may... I guess that, that may it, be true. It, I mean, I don't know for a fact, but I wouldn't be at all surprised. Got it. That doesn't say I'm poor. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. <clears throat> um, you had said, I might have a better perspective on your superpower and I said like I, I think if anything the impact that you have in most things that you do same things business family community philanthropy um, the impact that you've had is probably a superpower I don't know if that's really like a power like but the impact that you have is material across everything that you do and I think that's you know, that leaves a big mark. I appreciate that. Let me ask you this. If I had a magic wand, you could do anything with it. One wish, silly question, but you could do anything with it. What would you do? Today I would say walk. Mm. If you could walk, what, what would your walk, what would you do? We'd be, we'd be traveling. Traveling. So maybe that's the answer. Yeah, got it. Got it. I think that I think that's a good one. Um, I think you've probably already answered it in a bunch of different ways, but is there a legacy that you want to leave behind, or hope you leave behind, or? I think I'm very happy with the human legacy that we've left behind. Monetary is not important. <clears throat> um, you, your brothers. You're all really good people. You've got good families, good kids. Uh, what else is there? I don't know. Good answer. Well, listen. I just want to tell you how grateful I am for you and for you and mom and um, for what you've done and how you've done it and what you continue to do, um, how you've led, and... Um, just all the impact, here we are, impact again, you've had across our family. And you said, that's the legacy you want to leave? Well, I, I can tell you that that is certainly the case, that you have done so. And we're all, we're so lucky to live close by and be able to hang out and see you on a regular basis and have you super involved with the grandkids, my kids, Doug's kids. Um, Mike's kids are a little further afield, but. Um, and a little older. And a little older. But I. I'm super grateful again that we got the chance to do this. Like this truly is my passion project. I, and I am too. It's it's something a, a regret that didn't happen with my mother. You know, Doug started, but you know, couldn't do this 
the same way then. No, but we've got, we were, we were able to capture some of your mom's story on here and that will continue on. And, um, you know, we'll probably have to come back for chapter two and three. So fine until then, listen, dad, thank you. I love you so much. Thanks for everything. Super awesome. Thank you.